This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source, like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. We've got uh, Freestyle Friday today, and I can say because I've already told you that this week is my last full week with the Blaze. Uh, this is our last Freestyle Friday, guys. I know it is. Not uh, with it's not without sadness on my end that I say that. Uh, it is our last Freestyle Friday and my last official day on the Blaze Radio uh, will be this coming Thursday, March 16th. So I will be uh, with you until the 16th and then I'll be on, well, I'm already on every night and I hope you'll continue to join me after the Blaze show, my Blaze show ends. On Buck Sexton with America Now, you can go on iTunes and download, subscribe to the podcast, download it, and if you can listen live, the iHeartMedia app or iHeartRadio app rather is great. Uh, iHeartRadio app, and uh, there's a number. We're on a hundred stations, roughly, uh, so there might be a local station you can listen in on. If you can, please do. And I'm hoping you all will call in, and uh, that Team Buck will be as much a huge part of that show as you have all been for the uh, the current show that I am uh, I'm doing or the, the new show rather that I'll be doing have been doing on the on premiere side so um, well you know what I'm saying you'll you'll be an integral part of it I kind of lost myself there for a second so yeah this is uh this is our last freestyle Friday and uh, here I am now uh, talking to you and right uh, I figured sorry I'm just a lot of thoughts a lot of things coming to mind right now um, I figured that Part of what would happen in the next few days, obviously you heard the last couple of days I've been doing this, would be uh, story time. I would just share with you some thoughts. Um, and if you want the daily uh, analysis of news and, and that content, sort of more standard Freedom Hunt Radio content that uh, you know built this show, uh, I'll be doing that six to nine. As some of you have probably figured out, I, I just I, I don't have the full bandwidth to go all I mean vocally I just don't have the bandwidth to go for five hours every day some people maybe can uh, doing a solo radio show for five hours a day I just I can do conversation conversational radio with you at noon and then uh, 
you know, a, a slightly more mellow tone, same level of intellectual rigor, of course, and content. Uh, and then at, at, at night, you know, I'm able to, uh, cause at least then I know afterwards if my voice is gone, I can sleep and, and hopefully get it back. So, uh, here I am with you. It is our last freestyle Friday and, uh, our last, our last show, as I said, in the Freedom Hut with the Blaze will be on the third or the sixteenth of March, which is almost, I think, uh, four years. Well, I was going to say to the week, but that's I don't know if that's true. I, I, it's it's a solid four years since I started doing the Saturday radio show. So here we are. It's taken me four years to go from a Saturday show on radio to. Um, to now where I'm on national syndication and I have all of you to thank for that. I've been saying it the last few days, but I really do mean it. Uh, so I just wanted to put that out there. And then there is, the, there's some parts of me that felt a little bit like I wanted to share thoughts about uh, media in general, working in it, doing it, what it's been like for me up to this point. I don't know if I'll ever get the chance again to do a broadcast where I can just freestyle with my thoughts on this whole media game and tell you what I see happening and what's going on here. And so I thought for this Friday, I'll be with you next week for uh, at least a few days, uh, for sure. So, um, and I will be telling you, of course, to please do transition with me uh, to the show at Premier Radio Networks, which is called Buck Section with America Now. So I'm really hoping that everyone listening to this show will join me at least in podcast form, if not live, uh, for my six to nine Eastern show going forward. Uh, because it it means a lot to me to have uh, you listening. Because those of you who have been with me from the start, you know, you feel like family. So uh, on on media, I guess that was where I wanted to take this for a little while. Uh, I get a fair number of requests from people, um, and maybe now I'm doing this in part so I can direct them. I can say, download my Friday, March 10th, 2017 radio show, and every all these questions, I, I will try to uh, address them. So. This is, in a sense, uh, an ask Buck anything, but I'm just going over questions in my head that I've been asked many, many times, usually in written form, usually on Facebook, about all of this. The first layer of all this is, how do you transition? So on media is kind of the, uh, the title for today's Freestyle Friday. And, and then people ask me, well, how do you transition from the intelligence community to uh, working in media? And the answer is, I really don't know because it wasn't my plan. I can tell you how it happened for me. Uh, I can tell you what my sense of you know, my whole process was. And I've told you before, I don't want to go over the same story. And, and I, I, do, I do worry and I, I will try to avoid this risk of, of becoming self-indulgent for these last uh, you know, few shows I'm doing with you all here on the Blaze Radio. Um, I, I don't want this to turn into just Buck getting to you know, wax philosophical, but I have a level of comfort with all of you listening uh, over the years now. As I said, four four years, guys, it has been four years that I felt like doing something different would be good. And like I said, if you want the headlines, news of the day, in depth analysis, Russia stuff, all of that, uh, you know, Russia, Trump, and uh, the executive order on immigration, and what you know, six to nine, I'll be hitting it every night for three hours. So don't think that that's not still uh, right in the center of my wheelhouse. I'm just. I got five hours of radio to do, and so I can't uh, can't do five hours of of just that. Um, so anyway, uh, on onto the media, uh, the switch. For those who are, I, look, I obviously can't speak to uh, those who are on the military side and how they could switch. I think it's probably easier in the sense that everyone one there's bipart there's real bipartisan respect for the military. Everyone recognizes what you do, 
And for a lot of them, there's not the same. Depends on what part of the military you're working in. Obviously, if you're military intelligence, this this does. You know, if you're former NSA, obviously, it does very much have the same ramifications and feeling. But um, if you're just former military, that's obviously going to be very useful. Um, but uh, the issue you have as a former intelligence guy is you've got to get over your fear of all of my opinions are classified, which. I know that'll sound strange to a lot of you, but when you come from in the intel community, that's a very real, well, because you're told to think that way, that read all of your opinions on subject matter that you know about through your work is classified. And that's really not true. It also, over time, your classified knowledge fades, erodes, and becomes less and less relevant, which is a good thing because then it's also, you're not, you're the danger of you saying something you're not supposed to or overstepping those, those lines which in some cases are bright red, in some cases they are pretty gray. Um, but that danger recedes with each, with, the, with every month. It just it just erodes and, and recedes and gets to be less and less. So, I mean, now I've been out for five years and I, it would, for, for me to really, you know, make a mistake on that level, it would, it would be either just really bad luck on my part or I'd have to be really not paying attention. It'd be very, very uh, unlike. I mean, a real mistake. And other people who will talk, oh, well, you know, are you allowed? To, are you allowed to say that you worked in the Iraq office? I'm like, well, it's on my resume, which the agency cleared, so I'm pretty sure I can say I worked in the Iraq office and I served in Iraq. Um, anyway, the, the, these are the. That's one, and that's a big hurdle for people that want to switch from the intel world and the media is you've got it because they send. But the, the, what I always tell them is, look and see the top. People in all the intel agencies, the people that run them, the the ones that have the most power and the most influence in the intelligence community, almost all of them. The first thing they do is do a book tour, get on ABC News, get on NBC, get, you know, go on CNN. This is this is now, and that just sets a tone for everyone else. So don't think for a second that they have the same obligations that you do. They do not have any special privileges. The Constitution applies to you as much as it applies to them. So, and in a lot of cases, I, I wish that the worker bee level uh, attitude and analysis and perspective on intel matters were reflected in our discourse instead of the, I was like buddy with the buddy, buddy with the president and got appointed to be, you know, look at somebody like Panetta. This guy was secretary of defense and then CIA director based on, based on what? I mean, based on being a, uh, a, a Democrat in in good standing with the DNC and with the Obama administration who would do an okay job, I guess. I mean, just you know, I'm not even I'm not even litigating whether he was good at those jobs or not. But the fact that he got them at all is is kind of amazing when you think about it. Um, but I wish that there were more people at the level of doing the day to day work reflected in the public discussion about all these events instead of the oh well I'm, I'm I was friends with the president so well you're obviously then getting a very particular and oftentimes partisan point of view. Another important point, this is a little secret that I share with people that I, I trust and know, and that includes all of you listening, which I suppose includes anybody with an internet connection because, of course, they can download the show. And, you know, anyone can download the show, but those of you listening know that, you know, though if you're listening to this show, it's you, you fall into a special category of, of awesomeness. Uh, but that is, people say things like, oh, well, Buck, you know, you can't have as much access or... You know, your, your opinion can't be as reflective of, you know, the real insider, you know, intel truth as like a former CIA director. And I'm telling you all this because I get there's an intel community is huge. People want to they want to transfer out and they want to work in media, maybe or do some public analysis. And, and they see what I've done. And some of them have reached out to me. 
Um, so I'm putting, and uh, and also former military. Even though I've I've never been military, and certainly never said I was military, but they see a connection there, and they ask me too. I, I, and as I said, I can't speak to that one as well as I can speak to the intel side of it. But here's the funny thing. Here's the little a little truth for you. A little little peek behind the curtain of uh, media reality that there's nothing that any of these uh, former very senior you know, White House counterterrorism uh, advisor or CIA director, nothing they can tell you on TV that I can't tell you on TV. Because anything that they would know from their access that would have exceeded my access would be classified. I mean, when I say nothing, okay, it's really very rare. But it's not like they can say, well, I know the real... Uh, you know, covert action program we're doing in X country. And, you know, let me tell you about it now. That would be illegal. So the analysis that I'm giving, when there's a terrorist attack in, uh, you know, in Europe somewhere, for example, they put me on TV, they put the former chairman of the House Select Committee on, on Intelligence, for example. I mean, in some cases, I'm actually just going to be more knowledgeable than those guys because congressmen, come on, let's be honest. But there's nothing that he or she is going to say that I'm not going to tell you about that incident. And oftentimes I'll be able to tell you more having actually worked on those incidents instead of just reading reports about them. Um, So that's one part of it too. So I think that helps people get over the sense of like, well, do I have, did I have enough stars on my shoulder to share my opinions publicly on this? Or did I have a a high enough, you know, uh, clearance level or whatever the case may be? Was I a senior enough? Was I, do I qualify as an intelligence official or was I just an intelligence officer? Uh, you know, I always think that's interesting. When are you an official and when are you an officer? And the answer is, if you are knowledgeable on this stuff and you're passionate about it and you think your voice matters, you should you should get out there and if you want to and do it. Just understand that it will be stressful and there will be times when you can't talk about things. And you know, as I said to you, there have been times where I've been on TV and I have been on the spot, asked things, and I knew I knew things that were not public. And I really wished, I shouldn't say I wish, it would have been fun. I did not wish because I did not do. It would have been fun to have run my mouth and, and been like, well, let me tell you what's really going on. Uh, but I can't do that because I signed a lot of paperwork about it and I you know, swore an oath and I uphold it. Um, but this, by the same token, so does everyone. So does the CIA director and the DIA director and all these other, you know, NSA director. So, well, people sit there and they say, well, wh- what, do you, what can you tell us? You know, that the, don't listen to the young guy. Listen to the old guy that's been doing this for 30 years. Well, our analysis is all in the unclassified vein. So it doesn't really matter um, that they had more access or broader access. And and look, I'll just tell you this. I mean, there's some very senior people that came across in government, including the intel community, who are just not smart. Just bottom line, they just weren't very smart. And how they got the jobs they got or how they became so powerful or so senior, that's a, probably a long and interesting story unto itself that would be worth them telling at some point. Um, but just because somebody has a certain job in government doesn't mean they're impressive. It doesn't mean they even earned it, really. Uh, government is full of... The government is just a reflection of our... I mean, when I'm talking about the government employees, it's just a reflection of our whole society overall, meaning that you've got, the, you've got people that are so smart and so talented that you have moments of, wow, I'm glad they're working for our side, and you have people that are so lazy and so stupid and so venal and just the worst uh, that you wonder why, you know, a coalition of like tiny countries in the South Pacific can't just invade us and take over. So that's, uh, that's part of the, of the transitioning issue. And, and then well, I, I want to talk a bit about the uh, logistics 
uh, such as they are, of trying to start out in a media career. And you might, I hope some of you will find this all interesting. I'm really just putting this down, so I don't know when I'll ever get a chance to do this again. It's almost like I'm interviewing myself on my media career because nobody else has ever asked me. So I think there's a fair amount uh, that we can cover here. And uh, also by talking about this, I won't get into too much of, you know, when I, when I almost wanted to cry when all of you were uh, hanging out at Man in the Moon waiting for me to go do my Saturday show in front of like some of the most important radio executives in the country. Thanks for that. Uh, I told you about that one. What was it yesterday? Um, so let me, uh, let me come back and we'll talk about logistics of working in the media. And like I said, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, Buck, come on, I tune in because I want national security analysis, political analysis. You know, I want, I want, I want the Buck show that you've always been doing. That show is happening. It is happening today and it is happening from six to nine Eastern. Uh, these last shows I'm doing on the blaze radio are, kind of parting farewell discussions with uh, my beloved audience. So that's the way that this is going to go, certainly for today. And, and next week, we'll see. I'll probably have some fun guests on, and we'll have a little, it'll be a little more lively, everybody. Uh, today's going to be chill. It's going to be a chill show. It'll be fun. Uh, hit a break. We'll be right back. Let your voice be heard. Hello. 888-900-3393. On the Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source, like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life, and that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline, a licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. This is the Buck Sexton Show. All right, team, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. Sponsor this hour is SilencerShop.com. Silencer Shop, which has been a fantastic and longstanding sponsor of this show, is a great place to go, the best place to go to get a silencer for your firearm. You simply go to their website, SilencerShop.com. They've got fantastic testimonials there. They will walk you through the process. They've got really good customer service. They know this business. They love this business, and they are the best in the business. So uh, I know that getting a silencer requires a little bit of paperwork. Silencer Shop is the best at this, and there's no transfer fees and no shipping. So the local dealer sets the price. There's a lot of, of benefits here in the entire business model, both for local business, for you as a consumer, it's the place to go. So silencershop.com, again, the silencershop.com, 
help make the world a quieter place. I'll make your world a quieter place. Now, uh, wanted to get into a bit more on the logistics of working in media, which I know for some of you, you may be like, Buck, I'm not going to work in media, so why are you even telling me about this? But I get this question. I get these questions a lot. I've never done an AMA or no, ask, yeah, ask me anything. Um, I guess gonna ABA, ask Buck anything. So this is kind of my my version of that without actually seeing questions, but having read a lot of questions, as, as I think some of you are surprised on Facebook. I, I try to get in and respond to as many Facebook comments as I possibly can, as, as often as I can. I am not, uh, yeah, there, there, I have a team and there are other people that have access to that, uh, to that account, but I also am just trying to, uh, in general, uh, be the one that responds because I like to know what all of you are thinking. So, um, which reminds me, by the way, if you're also listening, you have not, Facebook is going to become very important for uh, Team Buck in the weeks, months ahead, even more so than ever before. And BuckSaxon.com too. BuckSaxon.com is going to become a place where we all go and, uh, you know, are, are checking out the latest and all things Freedom Hut. And I think that there's, you know, I've got projects that are underway that we're going to put into, we're going to put into uh, use there in a way that I think you'll find really cool. And I think we're, I think we're going to do a, uh, a newsletter, which will probably be written, compiled, written, uh, put together, whatever by me. And I'm not sure how many times a week it'll be, but it's going to be really solid. Uh, writing is going to be something I'm doing more. Uh, that's that's a definite this year. Uh, probably radio and writing are going to be a much bigger part of what I do. And uh, it might not be. I mean, I'll pop up on TV here and there, but I'm quite busy between the radio and trying to write. So uh, I just realized I haven't even gotten into like the media part of this discussion, really. I just got into more promotion of what I'll be doing. But um, you can't blame me, right? I mean, it's been four years, guys. We've been together for four years, and I... I say this, and I hope you understand, I'm not asking you all to marry me. Well, I mean, I kind of am in the sense that I'm asking for a long-term relationship here. Uh, but I'm hoping you guys will be, I'm hoping that I'll have people calling me in, in 10 years and 15 years uh, saying, I've been listening to you for X amount of years. So four years is great, and I thank you so much, but we've got a lot more years together. So, because uh, I'm planning on doing this radio media thing for a long time. Uh, i got to hit a break here, come back, we'll talk about the, uh, the media game, and then we'll get into some other topics too. Stay with me. This is The Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. Hey team, welcome back uh, to the Freedom Hut. Uh, so, all right, here here are the different ways, as I see it, that you can get into this media game. And uh, here's what it's like. Here's what it's been like from my perspective. I started out as a website writer for theblaze.com. Uh, assistant, I think my first title was assistant editor for intelligence. And I don't even know if it was intelligence and technology. It might have been intelligence and technology, which is... Kind of scary, honestly, team, because like, I don't know, I don't really know anything about technology. So uh, I do know about intelligence, but I'm not, uh, as one of you pointed out recently on Twitter, I am a guy who was proud recently for being able to set up his own printer at home, which by the way, it did take a lot. And I am proud of that. Um, but I am not your, uh, your go-to for technology needs. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not on Intel. Well, I know what, you know, I share with you and I, I try to be an astute analyst of all things intelligence, but I changed the title as soon as I could, maybe six or 12 months into uh, editor for uh, 
national security editor, and I had to fight a little bit to get them to change it to that because they really, uh, I mean, also assistant assistant editor. It was like, well, my assistant to the editor is like a Doug Doug or Dwight. Wait, is that a name? Dwight Schrute? Doug Schrute? What's the guy from The Office? Uh, I think it's Dwight, right? I don't remember now. Anyway, um, so uh, that was that was how I started out. And I'll say this: I've learned I learned a lot about website writing at that point in time. The upsides and the downsides of it. Those of you who are considering either starting your own blog or, and keep in mind, I threw myself into TV and radio as quickly as I could. Uh, so I have a very particular view of being a website writer. And that is that it is very, very hard to build a career as a writer for a website. Um, it's not impossible. People certainly do it. And I know plenty of people do it very, very successfully. And there are people at the Blaze who have built uh, strong audiences either within theblaze.com or outside of the Blaze with their uh, online writing. In some cases, very large audiences. Uh, like our, our friend Matt Walsh has, has built quite a quite an audience uh, with his writing. So, you know, it's possible. But from what I saw on the dot-com side, it's a job that is dominated by, um, very, when I say very young, I mean, people that are right out of college, They it is a part of the media media is a very exploitative field anyway um, especially you see it really more I think on the TV side than anywhere else because so many people are so desperate to be on TV that they'll do it for free under any circumstances no matter how bad it makes them look or how you know they're they're just uh, they're just desperate to be on TV all the time and in some cases it's a career thing in some cases I think it's just a weird ego thing I'm always amazed at some of these lawyers that I see who are practicing lawyers who seem like they want to go on TV just to be on TV, not even necessarily to advertise for their firm or, or to, and I, I'm not sure that I would want somebody for depending on the issue to be representing me based on the fact that they go on TV and yell at other people. That doesn't strike me as maybe it is effective advertising. I, I don't know. So I'm speaking beyond my, my knowledge uh, on that one, but uh, it's very hard to make a living as a, website uh, back to the website thing sorry as a, a website writer um, the, the the pay is is meager uh, pretty much everywhere uh, you'd be shocked I think a lot of you listening would be shocked to find out what even some pretty because uh, I have friends who work at all 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 of them but a lot of the different websites out there uh, people that I've come to know through this business and you know the, the it's pay is very minimal because what ends up happening in, in a lot of cases, is you and not just the pay, but also the career benefit is that you become an aggregator, not a writer. It's a really important distinction. An aggregator is somebody who is pulling other stories, maybe using an AP feed. If you pay for that, you have to pay for that as a website, but you pull an AP feed, you repurpose it, you add some photos and you pull all this together. And uh, then you're, you're pushing through a lot of content every day right? You're trying to, you're posting a lot. It's about volume over quality or about quantity over quality. And that can be great in the sense that it drives clicks and clicks drive revenue and also notoriety for a website. There are websites that in their pursuit of clicks, I think have done irreparable damage to their brand because they'll put almost anything that is in the news or that is viral on their front page. And they'll use headlines that I think are uh, particularly either misleading or obnoxious or inflammatory and just to get people to click because they'll see a spike in the traffic and it'll help their numbers for the month. And that's the way the game is. Now, part of the problem is that maybe, you know, you run a site that you don't want to do that, but 
you also are competing with sites that are doing that. So there is a race to the bottom effect with a lot of the aggregation that goes on on the internet. And some of the stuff that you'll see is just, you're like, well, that's just clickbait's a term you'll hear. It's totally true. And I think the great exemplar of clickbait uh, and clickbait as a business model is, is BuzzFeed. And they've been, you know, the whole cat, they do have, you know, listicles, which are, you know, which 10 characters from Game of Thrones, which character rather of these 10 from Game of Thrones are you? And then they want to put next to it some political reporter that we're all supposed to take really seriously and think is, and maybe the political reporter is great and, and, I, and is brilliant and doing, but I, I don't, for me, there, there's a disconnect there that's very hard to separate out. I mean, it's, it's the same reason why, you know, it's usually uh, you, you wouldn't want, uh, I, at least I think, you know, I, I don't know, um, but you wouldn't want to have, you know, your night, nightly news anchor um, moonlighting as a, like, you know, male exotic dancer for, you know, bachelorette parties or something. I mean, perfectly legal and everything, but it's not a good, it's not a good look to be doing both of those things. Or maybe it is, and I just, I'm very old school in my thinking. I mean, maybe this day and age probably is actually, you know. Look at him, he's a nightly news anchor, he's got great abs too, I mean, you know, whatever. So I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, but yes, I, I, see, I see these different websites and people working for them and uh, they end up aggregating instead of writing. Writing is different. Writing is you find the sources, you pull, the, you pull together the story and you're showing your skills, your thoughts, your analysis and uh, bring that all together. Um, you know, a site where you see where a site that is built on writing would be like National Review is a site built on writing. You know, these people are all writing those uh, editorials. They're writing that analysis. They're doing that themselves. Each one of those writers, whereas you know, BuzzFeed is a lot. It's like cat videos. Click on this. Click on that. But, you know, BuzzFeed has, I don't know, I, I, tens of million. I mean, in, in, the, in the 80 million range, I think, of uniques a month, maybe 100 million now. I don't know. And National Review, probably these are these numbers. But I always think it's funny. People go, oh, do you, can you say those numbers? Just using the Quantcast numbers, it's all totally public. You can twi- type in any website that you think is interesting or want to know more about. And and certainly, if you're ever going to work somewhere, you want to do this, and it'll give you a rundown as to Quantcast.com as a site. It'll give you a rundown for free as to how many people you know roughly go to the site every month, so you can know this and you can see how sites are doing. But you know, BuzzFeed is cat video is come for the cat video, stay for the analysis. Natural Review is just analysis, and you know, one of them is pulling in 80 million and one of them is probably pulling in, I don't know, five or eight or something, something in that range, maybe. That's part of the problem is that the, and I, and I do think this is true now in, in, and the media is trying to find ways. There's still very powerful platforms that are legacy platforms, but with the rise of social media as a major, at least filter for who gets attention and who doesn't, um, this is all changing and and it forces i think part of the polarization that we see in the media now or see in politics is driven by if you want to be noticed in media you are competing with people who will just take it to the max all the time Uh, it's one of the frustrations that i have and i think that you know i I joke around with friends of mine that one day i'm just going to go rogue and have just say whatever ever the heck i want on facebook and twitter and people would find out that, you know, I'm a, I am a fan of in my personal life or my, not, I don't mean personal life as in like who I'm dating, but I just mean as a as a human being, I'm a fan of salty language. Uh, I am. I, I think salty language is very useful and I em, employ it on a regular basis in my day to day. I obviously don't do it on radio or in my work because there are young people listening. I'm 
with with what I say and, and how I conduct myself in my work. I'm trying to set a reasonable. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be anyone's you know hero or whatever, but I'm just trying to set a reasonable example and not be profane and act like a jerk uh, in my in my work. So. Uh, well, I just got lost. I don't even remember what I was what I was saying about all this stuff with the. Oh yeah, uh, you're constantly competing with people who are because you're competing for attention. It, it is media is now more than ever a giant popularity contest, and uh, I've always felt like I'll just do the best content that I can, stay true to who I am, and people who understand the value of that will support me and believe in what I'm doing and appreciate the work that I put into everything, and they realize that you know I could be. Uh, you know, I, I, I could take the bomb thrower route and, you know, you can see some right sort of right wing bomb throwers. I'm not even sure we'd call them right wing recently. Uh, one in particular who who had a quite quite a fall from grace, get a lot of attention by saying really inflammatory, aggressive things from the right. And then all of a sudden, you know, people pay attention. and Oh, it's great and everything else. But, you know, th- that has its uses. I think it also can be self-serving and I think it has inherent limitations. And if it's not who you are and it's really not who I am, I, I also don't like to get into the really uh, public fights with other media personalities. I mean, I'm happy to debate anyone. One of my big frustrations to this point in my career, I'll be honest with you, is how how infrequently I'm asked to debate issues. Some of you who saw me back in the day on Real News, and that was with fellow conservatives whom I for the most part, not all, for the most part liked, then, you know, you, I, debating is really what I thought would be at the heart of much of my, uh, my media career. And instead, I'm, I'm doing analysis and, and providing context. And, and I have a platform that I've built because of all of you. But I, they don't put me, they don't have me on the Bill Maher show. They don't put me on, they don't bring, they don't want me over at MSNBC to argue the conservative position. And uh, I think everyone realizes I, I would do well at this. And, and um, I mean, there are some who've actually told me who know the business well. And I, I think there is truth to this. Uh, self-serving thing to say, but I think it is true. There's a recognition among some of the bigger left-wing platforms out there that if they, unless they can do what CNN used to do, where you've got, I'm one of four people, you've got a host, the host gets to determine how, what order you speak in, how much time you get, the host can jump in on you. And if you try to push back too much, another person will jump in with the host. And now you just look shouty and mad. And it's not about who's making a better argument or a better case. It's just about the optics of you're shouting over a host. He's shouting over you. And there's other, you know, it just it turns into a zoo. Um, in a situation where I'd actually get to make the case, I would be dangerous for the, for their arguments. I mean, I'm also, I also don't do the, I could make really funny jokes about how, uh, you know, dumb or silly looking or whatever a lot of these people in media are. And I, I really try to avoid that. I mean, I'm not saying I've never fallen into that. And certainly politicians, I mock in a little bit more personal way than I would. But they're, they're public figures in a, in, and in a very specific context, and they're powerful. And I think that they do deserve, they deserve a lot of mockery. Uh, and that's fine. And, you know, once they move on into private life and do their own thing, I, I, I leave them alone. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't continue on with that. Um, but, Oh, now I'm, I'm there's a lot of tangents here, so I kind of lose myself on some of this. Oh, anyway, the race to the bottom. Yeah, there's just understand if you want to if you want to work in media in some capacity. I mean, those of you who have sent me your resumes for the blaze or for anywhere said, you know, do you know anyone at CNN I could talk to? And I've I by the way, whenever I say I'll forward your resume on, I always have. I just I don't have any clout. I can't make someone give anyone a job. I can barely get myself a job. Uh, so, you know, this is. Uh, this is the reality, though, is that you come into this, and I think people believe, oh, well, if I just do 
good content and I'm a and, I, and I'm honest and hardworking, I'll make it immediate. I know people that are honest, hardworking, and very smart who are either marginally still in media or have fallen out of it entirely since since I started, which is now only you know I keep saying almost six years, but it is it's almost it'll be six years in June. So in in call it six years, I've seen people that were came in even after I started and they're already done and they're smart, hardworking. And there's a lot of different reasons. There's a lot of luck that's required in this business. Uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes politics. I know this is true of a lot of business, but in media, it's even worse because you know, if you're a doctor you know, or, if, or if you're a skilled carpenter or if you can fix, uh, you know, if you're a mechanic and you can fix a car, you can fix anything, you're gonna, people will pay you to do those things. Part of the problem you have in media is that just finding someone who will pay you to do what you want to do is hard because there are so many people who want to do it and there's only so many jobs that pay to do it and it's not fair. So this then brings me to the most important bit of wisdom and, and then I have to go into a break here. Most important bit of wisdom I give anybody who wants to get into the media game is, you know, do you have a wife or a spouse? I'm not trying to be sexist, you know, but do you, do you have a spouse that you support? Do you have kids and a mortgage? If the answer to any of those questions is yes, think long and hard before switching into media as a career. If the answer to all those questions is yes, you have a spouse, you have kids to support, you have a mortgage, do not do it. That is my advice. Do not do it. So I don't tell everybody don't do it. You know, if you're a single guy or girl, you know, and you've got relevant experience, I, I sure. But if you uh, have obligations and are used to a certain lifestyle, this game is tough. I'll tell you some of the, some of the tough stories, maybe on the flip side. Stay with me, team. I hope you're enjoying my story time with Buck Friday, Freestyle Friday. I'll be right back. Buck Sexton will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Dispensing the truth. This is Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey team, I went super long in the last segment as I tend to do on these story time shows because I'm. It is like I'm just uh, chilling here in the Buck, uh, the Buck apartment, the Freedom Hut, hanging out with my friends, which is all of you, and just talking about stuff. So that means I tend to forget my uh, timing and, and the schedule of what I'm trying to do on that. Uh, join me six to nine Eastern tonight. Uh, di- download the iHeart Radio app. And then you can type in Buck Sexton. You can listen live then on your iPhone, smartphone, whatever you got, uh, or on your computer, iPad, you can listen live. And certainly subscribe to the podcast, Buck Sexton with America Now on iTunes. Uh, I'm going to hit a break here, and uh, I'm going to talk to you a bit about some of the uh, some of the tough stuff you deal with in media on the other side. Freestyle Friday, story, t- story time edition continues in just a few minutes. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. 
All right, team, welcome back to the Freedom Hunt for hour two of our, I know, I know, makes me sad too, our last Freestyle Friday on the noon show. Uh, I'm definitely not going to be on air next Friday on The Blaze. Um, I believe the Thursday before that will be our very last show, although the day before, Wednesday, may actually be the last show. It depends on some logistical stuff. I'll let you know um, early next week. But there will not. I will not be on air next Friday. That is uh, that is confirmed at this point. Uh, on this show, I'll be on air six to nine Eastern every night. National syndication. Buck Sexton with America now. Go on iTunes, please subscribe. It's really easy to listen live. The same way you listen to Blaze Radio on your smartphone or iPhone using the the Blaze app or on theblaze.com. You can go uh, on the iHeartRadio app. Just type in Buck Sexton with America now, and you can listen. Hook it up to your little Bluetooth speaker somewhere. I'll keep you company while you're eating dinner, having dinner, making dinner. It's late at the office, driving, you know, driving around, whatever it is you got to do. Love to love to continue hanging out with your team. It's really important to me. So please do uh, make that transition with me. Uh, I'm there's a part of me that hopes that, you know, I'll get 100 percent of team buck. will move on with me to the new show. Not that I don't want you to keep listening to the Blaze Radio, of course. Blaze Radio is full of my colleagues and they're fantastic. But I'm hoping you all join me in my next venture and my next uh, opportunity. Because you're the reason that I got here. Um, I can tell you, I was going to talk to you about some of the disappointments that I've had in media and the stuff that I've had to deal with, uh, which I will in a second because that's always kind of fun. Um, but first, let me just tell you that on, on the radio side, uh, you know, I the Saturday show did really well. And then they decided to put me on Monday through Friday on the Blaze Radio. And the great thing about digital radio as opposed to terrestrial, which is what you think of as usual radio when you're in a car, is that the numbers on digital radio are excellent, meaning we know who's listening, how many people, not who is, don't worry, no one's like tracking you, but we have a sense of how many people are listening and just like with a website and we can get very good numbers on that. So there's not, there's no guesswork in, you know, who's listening and who brings in listeners and who's maintaining the audience's attention. And they took it, you know, Dom and Glenn and the Blaze, took a chance on me with the Monday through Friday show uh, right after Glenn. And I can tell you that the reason that everything worked out with me going to premiere is because it, it was the number, you know, numbers don't lie. And a lot of you were joining me and it was, we, we made the blaze radio stream successful and, and uh, I hope that it continues to be, and I know it will be successful, successful uh, upon my departure. So, um, uh, what was it? Oh, I was going to tell you some stories about what you have to deal with on the so I was mentioning on the website side, I think that for most people, uh, writing for a website needs to be a part of other, they've either got writing a book or becoming a more traditional reporter at an outlet because aggregation is an interesting skill, but you learn it, you get good at it, and then there you realize that it is not a rare enough skill. And so whenever you're in a work environment and you're replaceable, especially in the private sector context, you're you're somewhat vulnerable. There's a vulnerability to your employment, right? This is I'm not trying to scare anyone or freak anyone out. I think you all know this, um, but the most, the, the biggest question anyone's going to ask with whether you, uh, you know, whether you have job security or not is, well, can they replace you? And if you're an aggregator, mostly they might call you an editor or a writer, but if you're mostly aggregating at a website, there are limitations to how, um, how unique that ability or how unique you will be with that ability. So there are other things you have to do. This is what brought me to start doing TV and, and doing radio. And uh, TV was a very uh, humbling experience for me at first. I always, the speaking and the content part of it, I thought I, I got pretty well. But you realize very quickly that in TV is, there's the higher, you're always reminded of the hierarchy. How long is your segment? Where is your segment placed in the show? How does the host treat you? Um, 
how often are you? One of the things you have to get used to in doing TV is you get booked and then unbooked and then booked and then unbooked and unbooked again. And, you know, uh, I have had networks that I don't even care if they ever call me uh, reaching out to me and be very aggressive about how I need to come on some show. And I'm like, I don't. And, and it's for free. They're not even paying you. Um, I've had networks that are not paying me reach out at on a Saturday at seven o'clock in the morning, my phone will ring as, as though that's as though I, as though I want to be woken up on a Saturday morning at 7am so that I can run like a maniac, throw on a suit and go show up and have some left wing host yell at me for five minutes and then go, go back home and try to sleep. I mean, it's just, it is a, it is brutal. Um, TV is your, if you have a job and in my opinion, and this includes people who are wildly talented and who have all kinds of gifts and abilities. And if you have a job in TV that you are well paid for, you are incredibly lucky because there are far more people who are really uh, dedicated to the craft and good at it and believe in it than there are jobs. And in those jobs, there are a lot of people who are terrible, not just at TV, but are bad people, are dishonest. Um, they are uh, either friends with the right people in the executive, uh, in the executive suites of these uh, major companies that are that either own the media companies or that run the media companies. Um, it's it's a very inside, inside, uh, insidery, inside baseball uh, setup with a lot of these uh, TV news organizations. So you just have to accept that going in. And there's a very fine line between I'm doing this for exposure, for the skill set, for my brand, and I'm being taken advantage of and throwing away many hours of my life for just because I'm, you know, in a very difficult spot. And there's there's an exploitation that occurs of certainly of people's time and taking advantage of the professional insecurity that a lot of people feel in television. I mean, that's what I mean by the booking and the unbooking. I mean, I've had, I've been called in on a Saturday before, and this is when, look, it's one, CNN was paying me. So for all, I will sometimes criticize the editorial direction of CNN, at least for, you know, for, for two years, CNN paid me. And with Fox, at least I want to be there and I care about what they're doing and I care about their audience and it's home team and, you know, but I've done other TV too at other places. Um, and I've also done CNN unpaid. And I got to tell you, it's quite a uh, it's quite a thing when you get pulled in, let's say, on a Saturday, and you're waiting in a you're waiting in in a box, which is a remote studio, and you'll be in this remote studio, you'll be sitting in a chair, and they'll say, "Oh, you know, we've got we've got we're, we're coming to you next." And this will be a Saturday, maybe at eight or nine o'clock in the morning. So this is you know, after you're working all week, you're not getting paid to do this. You're there for free, and they'll say, "Well." you've got, we got breaking news. We had to switch the segment. So just can you, can you, can you stay with us, Buck, for just like another, another 20 or 30 minutes? We'll get right to you. And then the 30 minutes will pass and they'll get back to you and they'll say, you know, we just, we just, so many people booked today. Can you just, and you can sit there in this room by yourself for free and they will keep telling you you'll be on TV and telling you you'll be on TV. And then maybe two, three hours will pass. And depending on what show it is and, and are they going to keep you through or maybe use you on the next show. And, and then they'll just, as, as though your time is nothing, your time has no value to anyone. They'll just say, we're sorry, we're not going to use you today. Bye. And then you have to make the decision in your head to say, okay, I understand this is the game. 
this is TV. This is how it works. You know, TV is a privilege, not a right. Uh, and it's a rare privilege at that. And so I just have to say thank you. I have to say thank you for having no respect for my time, for keeping me around here for no reason, for not paying me. If you're getting paid, you know, a job is a job. I'm talking about free, everybody. I'm talking about free TV. Um, and you sit there for three hours and then they'll just say, sorry. And I, I've even been in a situation where I've pulled the microphone off and been like, okay, you, since you do not pay me and, and my time is my own, I'm going to leave. And they will get a little, uh, some producers will become a little indignant. Like, how, how dare you not just sit here for free at our beck and call for as long as we want? You know, we, now then you get into, well, what is this? Is this for some, you know, is this for like CNN International and no one's going to see me that I know or care about anyway? And so who cares? Or is this a major show that I need to have, that I want to build a relationship with and that matters to me? And they, you know, they'll get the leeway. Right. There are some shows where your relationship with that show is important enough. And this is true of me. It's true of everybody in this business where they know like they know that that they can they can call on me and trust me and I won't complain. And I get it because we're built. There's a relationship between the show and the talent or in this case, the show and the guest that is 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 value in and of itself. But there are other times when you're just like, I'm just here because I'm trying to do as much TV as I can for the exposure for my brand, but I'm not here to sit around for three or four hours and not do any TV. So the worst that I ever had it actually was uh, at CNN on the, I think it was like maybe the day after the Boston Marathon bombing, uh, they brought me in. And look, I know Boston Marathon bombing is horrific. I mean, who am I to sit here and complain to you about the TV in light of what happened? But I mean, I was doing TV and this is what we're talking about. It has nothing to do with the Boston Marathon bombing. It just has to do with the way people treat you in television. I showed up there and they kept me, they must have kept me around for three three hours. Uh, and, I, and I was turning down other shows. I mean, I was turning down other opportunities. Uh, I was, you know, running around. This, I was trying, it was, people wanted me to do radio interviews, write something. I was doing blaze hits as I could. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on. And they kept me here for three hours and didn't even have the, uh, and I was sitting there mic'd up. So I, I, was, so I was led to believe that I was going to go on any minute. And they, they didn't even tell me that they had finally gone to a taped, they had gone to some t- a taped two-hour show. They'd run, they'd run out of their, their course of a live show. And so I was just sitting there with a mic on like a fool. No one even came to tell me anything. And I finally walked up to one of the you know backstage tech guys, one of the sound engineer guys. And I was like, so there's not even, a, they're not even doing a show anymore, right? I'm just sitting here with a microphone on. I mean, this was you know, a few years ago. Uh, sitting here like, with a microphone on for no reason. And they're like, yeah, that's, you, you might want to go home. I said, yeah, I think... I think I'm going to take you up on that. I think I'm going to go home. So uh, TV is is rough that way. And it also means that when I see people on TV who, you know, I, I don't know how they have, some of them have the, the leverage they think they do to make the demands they do for salary and everything else because, so yeah, some people, they leave and the ratings drop considerably. And it's, that's rare. Most of, the, most of the different shows, especially on the cable news side of things, the platform is where the value is. The host is lucky to, is lucky to have the platform in most cases, not all cases, you know, but in most cases, that's what I've seen. And you know, people that are like they get paid these huge sums of money. I always think it's funny when they if, people who have been paid huge sums of money, they leave. You know, I mean, I think Piers Morgan at CNN was getting paid some some astronomical figure, never had very good ratings. And I believe at least at first he was getting paid a lot more than although I don't know this for a fact, but this is my belief. He's getting paid a lot more than Don Lemon was. And I, I think, even though that show can be a total mess, 
and I, th- I think it's gotten even messier in recent recent months. Uh, Don Lemon's ratings have always been better than Piers Morgan's were overall. So and that just goes to show you, it's just you know, it's it's not somebody who I who I do not like or trust that much on the on the TV side of things. Once gave me this bit of advice, which I thought was really interesting. TV is not a meritocracy, and if you think it is, you're always going to be disappointed. Um, the one thing I will say for radio as a medium versus TV, which has always been really important to me, is in radio you have to do the work. Nobody else can do it for you. That's one of the things I love about this. I have to show up. I have to give you my best thoughts, energy, research. I have to pour my heart and soul into this. And when I don't or when I can't, you know. You know, when I'm sick or I'm dragging or, you know, I'm at the point where I have been doing, you know, five hours of radio a day for over a month. Uh, it, you start to pick up that it's just you, you lose a certain, um, you know, you lose a certain connection with, with the audience um, and, and the audience knows, you know. In TV, you've got, there's visuals, there's pre there's, there's package material that they run. You know, you get to take breaks during the segment. You got commercial breaks. You got prompter, producers writing questions. For, I mean, the staff of like the Aaron Burnett show at CNN is like 40 people work there or something. It's it's crazy. I mean, there's like, I, I look at this, I'm like, there's so many people working on these shows. And, you know, it just, it just goes to show you, though, that t- TV, if you have the job, these, I mean, I, I don't think, of course, everybody who has the job in TV would then tell you that they're, like I'm telling you now, my story and lessons and everything, they've all been through the ringer. They've all been through really unfair, tough, rough stuff for the most part. Some of them are, you know, there's the Ronan Pharaohs of the world who get a TV show on a cable network. And you think to yourself, well, that's just crazy. Like what, why are they doing that? Right. I mean, that, that certainly does happen, but it's rare, really rare. Uh, most people that get a show, they've had to go through all kinds of really, um, uh, undermining and in some cases even soul crushing stuff in order to get there. And, you know, that's, that's hard. Uh, you, I think people sometimes lose like the, the general public or the viewing audience can lose sight sometimes. These are actually just all people and, you know, telling them that they're stupid and ugly and horrible all the time, especially, you know, when, when you're telling somebody who's stupid, you know, when I, when I make fun of somebody like Keith Olbermann, for example, um, Keith Olbermann, I don't know him personally, but I know that he was making $10 million a year at current TV. And I know that current TV was, losing a ton of money while he was making $10 million a year. So he's got lots and lots of money to sit around and count and play with. He's going to be fine no matter what. He doesn't care what I think of him. And I've also heard from people who have worked with him that he's just not a nice person or a good guy. Now, that's uh, not, you know, I couldn't take that to the bank or to court. You know, it's not, or not that I take it to court. You know what I mean? That's not gospel, but I've heard from people that I know and trust who work very closely with him that he's just not nice. Um, And... Uh, so, but when I, when I make fun of somebody like that, I usually think to myself or when you do, well, okay, you know, maybe, maybe it, it makes him sad before he, you know, hops in his, hops in his, uh, chauffeured Maserati or something and hangs out in his penthouse apartment overlooking fifth, overlooking central park. I mean, that's, you know, he, he's going to be okay. The people, what I always find really rough are the people that are just barely, they're on TV and they're just struggling. And there are a lot of people that you'll see on TV who don't make very much money. I mean, I know them and I know what the pay scale is. And especially in a place like New York City, you know, they're they're making uh, you know, barely an adult salary. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're just just getting by and the abuse that they take. And so when they eventually get to a place where they are able to have things their way and call the shots, I do understand there's a huge temptation to be a jerk and a diva and 
to it's almost like a child who's been abused will have terrible ramifications down the line, you know, in, in a in a large percentage of cases, just because that's the that's the imprinting, that's the way the brain works, that's the way the whole this this will play out. You know, a child who's treated badly by his parents is going to have what whatever they are real issues later. You see this with TV hosts because you just on the way you are undermined, you are uh, attacked. It's really rough. It's nasty, and uh, it's it's gross. So anyway, the, the, and on the one hand, yeah, everyone's lucky who has a big job in TV and gets paid a lot of money to do it. On the other hand, I gotta say, um, there are some days where I'm just like, I will say this: my if if I ever got out of the media game, which I, I hope not to. I mean, I hope to be on radio for the next twenty years. I really do, and I hope to get more opportunities in TV than I've been given thus far. I'll be honest with you; I think I've earned more opportunities in TV than I've been given thus far. Uh, so. You know, there's, I'm sure a lot of other people that work in TV and have done a lot of free TV feel the same way. Um, but I'm going to keep working and keep trying, keep getting bigger and better. And this is where I also turn to all of you and say, you know, please tell people about the radio show. Uh, but with all that said, um, you know what? I actually have to go into a break here. Team, I will be right back. Stay with me. Buck Sexton. Taking intelligence to a whole new level. The Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, team. Uh, so I know I've uh, this is story time with Buck. The uh, the the diary the diary of a Buck version that we've got going on here is probably not what you expected for our last Freestyle Friday, but I hope some of you are enjoying it. And it's uh, a way for me to share. I don't know. I, I wanted to share more of what I do and and how I think about this stuff with you than I, I well in a different way than I usually do. And so I've taken that opportunity here. And I've got some more. I'm going to close out some thoughts uh, on the media and working in it and everything on the other side of this. And uh, I promise next week when I'm on live, we will be taking. I'm hoping we'll get a lot of your calls. Uh, I would really like that. Today I'm not really going to be taking any calls, um, but I will be taking calls next week uh, for my last few days of the show. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun, I promise. And every segment, I'm going to tell you, please come to Buck Sexton with America Now, 6 to 9 Eastern on Premier Radio Networks. The Premier's talker lineup right now is Glenn 9 to 12, Rush 12 to 3, Hannity 3 to 6, Buck 6 to 9. So uh, let's, let's make that 6 to 9 on Premier you know, uh, uh, a big success. If you all come with me, I know it will be, and it would mean the world to me. Um, and if you don't and it doesn't work out and I don't like it there and in a few years in radio or whatever, you know, I'll go open up a grilled cheese shop in a, in a bamboo hut somewhere in the South Pacific and uh, we'll go from there. All right, team. I'll hit a break. I'll be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. All right, team. So I was talking about TV and and the realities of working in it. And look, I'm not somebody who's had a big uh, cable news show to himself or something yet. So I'm hoping there's a lot 
hoping this is just an early, early observations and a, a first chapter in the book, so to speak. Not that I'm writing a book on this stuff. Well, that would be kind of interesting, I think. Um, but I also thought it'd be fun to kind of share with you some of the uh, things that I've learned about. And, and you can apply this to when you're watching it. Uh, when you're watching TV, you get a sense of, oh, that's what's going on here. Um, I mean, a few things. First of all, if you watch closely, you can usually tell who is reading their questions off a prompter versus who is coming up with their questions on their own, which maybe you don't care, but I always think it's kind of fun to play that game because a lot of hosts you see are looking very earnestly into the camera and they're going, well, you know, excuse me, Mr. Speaker, but what exactly is the house going to do in response to, and they're usually reading it off a prompter. And, you know, it's interesting to me because I, I'm used to just doing questions, especially for radio. I do questions on the fly. That doesn't matter as much. Maybe that's not as fun as uh, some of the other stuff that you can look for. For example, um, always look at the way... I've told you this before. I've said this even on the show before. Who the host interrupts is that's always signaling to the audience, this person is wrong. I don't like this person. For the most part. Not always, but that's usually... Certainly, that was my experience at CNN. That hosts, they don't interrupt. Now, sometimes they'll jump in to clarify what a like a uh, CNN host will jump in to clarify what a Democrat strategist or a Democrat whatever has to say but they'll do it in in a way that's supposed to be additive and that's really meant to enhance their credibility of the Democrat talking head so somebody say well you know with Obamacare and you know the uh, Affordable Care Act uh, you know the host will jump in and say which by the way the newest sign-up show is you know, exceeding expectations and like, Oh yes, yes. Thank you. You know, you know, Susie, like that's, that's, that's great. You know, thanks Bob. You know, really appreciate that. Um, that's not the interruption I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, wait, 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 what you just said. That's not what was said there, Buck. And they do that. So automatically, um, they're setting, it's not even just about making you look like you're wrong, which of course it is, but it sends a signal to the audience from the host that what they're doing is, uh, is establishing what side they're on without openly saying I'm a partisan. So let's say it's CNN or, or MS. Well, MSNBC is partisan. Everyone knows it's I mean, CNN host. This is a better example. Uh, Buck and Bob. Bob is left and Buck is right. So usually the way first, I have to say it's depending on how they've structured the segment. The host has already had the whole read in of, uh, you know, the, the rundown of all of the whatever they're going to talk about in the segment usually, and they've already framed the discussion a certain way. So they get to frame the discussion, and then you get to come in. And look, that's fine. They can frame the discussion however they want. The part of it that I find very frustrating, and and, and even an occasion, you know, I, I would I would raise a, a stink about this, is in the way that the segment is then run. Because there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of dishonesty in it, and it doesn't necessarily translate in a way that the audience can really see and tell. The first thing is, as I said, the interruption is always a very important mode. Oh, also what they uh, what they write as your what they call a chyron, which is the information that comes up right below when you see the talking head. And then there's the, you know, Buck Sexton, Blaze, you know, Buck Sexton, right wing psychopath who hates puppies, like whatever they put below my, my head and, and up in the screen. That is that's on the chyron. And that's uh you know, I'll tell, I can't tell you how many times I've told the different, different shows. Okay. I'd like to be introduced as host of the Buck Saxton show. 
And it'll be, you know, national security editor for glenbecksthablaze.com. And they're sort of spitting out the words as they say it. I'm like, okay. So they're trying to, and they will mention that I'm former CIA sometimes either. That's always, I always, that's always a huge tell. That's always a huge tip off when we're, especially if we're talking about a national security segment. I've explicitly told the producers, I'm former CIA. I served in Iraq and Afghanistan. I've earned those credentials. You know, please say former CIA officer. And they'll drop that because it's going to be a more partisan segment. And they'll say, you know, national security editor. For, for, I haven't been the national security editor of the blaze really in, in, I don't know, a little while. Maybe I still technically am, but it's not really what I've been doing mostly for the blaze. Uh, so they, they, they will take away the title that I want and they'll replace it with something else. And then you got to say to yourself, okay, so that's how, you know, now it's on right now. You got to crack the knuckles and know that this is, this is going to be a street fight. So they do that. Um, the other, one of the other things I really, I really don't like is when they intentionally allow the Democrat, uh, or, or, you know, the, the pivot and punch, I call it. So what it is, is they'll come to me first. Usually they go to the Democrat first and the Democrat will have uninterrupted, you know, two minutes and the host may come in and say, yes, you're so wise and brilliant. Oh yes, that's so great. The host is nodding his or her head enhancing the credibility of the Democrat guest the whole time. And this is the theatrics of it. This is how the game is played. And then uh, they'll come to me and it'll be, you know, but Buck, let's have you, let's have you defend this quote of this GOP state assemblyman from last week where he said this dumb thing, you know, do you and your party agree with that? And it will have nothing really to do with what was just, and you're saying, well, what, what is that? Why am I why do I have to defend someone I've, I don't know anything about? I've never heard anything about. And that wasn't even what we were invited here to talk about for the segment. But now you're on TV. It's live. What are you going to do? Say, oh, that's not what you said we were going to talk about. Uh, that doesn't work. So you have to just you have to roll with it. Right. So they, they, they try to pin you down into something where you're on the defensive right away. And then and then the host, usually then the Democrat will jump in also sometimes. And so you'll get a two on one situation. And maybe the host, if it gets too aggressive, will say, hold on, Democrat, hold on. And then the, and then, and then the host who now has established the momentum against you will um, push and push. And, you know, you know, what about this? And what about you said this? And and, sh- and then you try to speak and then they go, well, hold, hold on a second. And this is I call the clean. So um, this is that's the, the you know, the, this is the cleanup portion of it. Right. Um, the pivot and punch. Well, sorry. The cleanup is when they do this to you, they get you in the corner and then I'm just making up these names, by the way, but this is what I like to call it. And then the cleanup is they turn to the Democrat and it's going to be the last segment and they've already, let's say the Democrat get to, got to start and then you're going and, and the Democrat gets to start and then the host turns to you and now the host is been jumping on you and the Democrat has been arguing with you and now that she, she or, uh, he or she will say, okay, hold on. And then they go for the cleanup which is when they get they hold on buck no no you had your say you know i was talking over you and it was it was bull and it was unfair but you had your say now let's listen to the democrat and what he has to say about this issue but buck, buck buck please stop being so rude stop being such an animal okay we we need to hear what the democrat has to say and the democrat gets to go on and on and on and then when i check up the host goes i'm sorry buck it's it's time for a commercial break and everyone sitting at home who's a Democrat, who's a smarmy, self-righteous, you know, virtue signaling punk gets to feel all like, hey, 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 hey. Like, look what they just did to the look what they just did to the Republican. I mean, this was that was like constant. That's you deal with that all the time. I mean, it's even worse when you have like a four person panel 
which I only did because I was getting paid and I was on contract and I figured it was, you know, I, I did, I had some moments, I think, where I did pretty darn well for the three on ones that I faced on occasion. Uh, but it's hard because you start to looking like a, a yelling maniac and you're getting so little time and there's no equal time and it's all arrayed against you. Uh, and by the way, this is not anyone who would tell me, oh, Buck, you're whining about this. This is reality. I mean, I could break down. I could break down in 10 and 10 or 15 second increments how these TV segments, what's going on and what, what the ha- what, how this is all happening. I mean, I really study this and have been a part of this. So I'm, I'm quite aware. I used to just watch it religiously and now I've partaken in it for years. The pivot and punch, though, uh, I like I like this. This is another one that they do. So you got the cleanup, which is like they give you you're in the middle and then they box you out and then they get let the Democrat finish it off. So it's, you know, Democrat first, squeeze you. Uh, you know, harass you and then and then and then make sure that the floor is totally belonging to the Democrat to finish out the segment. So this is for a short segment. It really only works. Maybe this will be on the second go around, too. So, you know, the, the Democrat gets a question. You get a question. Democrat, you you get pushed in the corner and the Democrat gets to finish it off and tell everybody how great Obama is or how great Hillary is or whatever. Um, that's the cleanup. The pivot and punch, though, is my favorite, which is when I mean, and my favorite and that it's the most annoying in some ways where they go to the conser- they go to the conservative, in this case, me first. The host interrupts me a couple of times and then boxes me out and hands it to the Democrat uh, right away. So I never even, I've never even gotten to uh, make my case with any, uh, with any clarity uninterrupted. I'm on, you're on defense from the first moment. And then because they hand it to the Democrat, this is the, 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 to punch you, right? The pivot is the blah, blah, blah. No, you're, you're done. They hand it to the Democrat. Now the Democrat starts assaulting your position and maybe even assaulting, you know, your, your, uh, credibility, which I'll get into that in a second too. And now you're on defense and the perception of the, of the audience is that you are in a hole and you're a jerk and you're right wing and everything else. So those are sort of the different, some of the different ways that they do this. There's also the double tap, which is where you have a host who in a very, in a, knowing there's a short segment or there's a short amount of time, after a long-winded Democrat, and keep in mind, when you're sitting there, you're, it looks like you're being lectured by the Democrat if you're, the other, if you're on the other side. Right? So if you haven't gotten to make your point, you're sitting there, okay, clock is ticking, clock is ticking, and Obama is so wonderful, and Obama is so great, and Trump's such a racist, and Trump is so bad, or you know, Hillary's so wonderful, and Hillary's so great, Republicans are evil, Republicans are evil. You're sitting there, and you're trying to be polite, but you're, it looks like you're being some little stooge, some little punk, and you can't say anything. So... The so that that also adds into the when you finally get to go, you just you, you, you want to say so much and you look a little frazzled and, you know, they're always playing with the time of how much time you get versus the other side gets, especially uninterrupted time. That's the big uh, that's the big indicator. But the double tap is when they uh, they go once you know that clock someone's got gotten a, it was a long intro to the segment before they bring on the talking heads. Now they bring on the Democrat, the Republican talking head. The Democrat goes and it's, you know. It's just, oh, Hillary and the Democrats so wonderful and Republicans are so racist. And let me wax philosophical about how racist and awful Republicans are and how wonderful Democrats are and tick, tick, tick off the clock. And the clock is just losing more and more time. You know, you're sitting there, you're on national TV and you haven't had a chance to fight back or say anything yet. And all all the audience is seeing is you sitting there quietly while this person is, you know, uh, more or less calling you out and annihilating your position or at least trying to. And then the host will go, wait, wait, but buck, buck, hold on, hold on. Let, you know, uh, insert talking, you know, Democrat talking head here, whoever, you know, whoever you find most annoying and odious, I could definitely give you some suggestions, you know, uh, let, let's have you go again, you know, let the Democrat go again. 
And now you're just there. There's no it would be like somebody if you're in a you know speech and debate tournament and someone else has gone for 10 minutes and then they go, Buck, you have one minute for rebuttal. And then they say and then afterwards they say, uh, sorry, uh, the other the other person's argument was much more convincing than yours. Well, they've been going for 10 minutes. You got you get one. I mean, this is why there's no equal. I mean, I, I, I think there'd be a, I think there's a great need and there'd be a really um, excellent uh, I think there would be really excellent audience response to a, a true equal time. And this is maybe what I'm one of the reasons I'm talking about this today, because I would love to investigate doing this in some capacity, a true equal time, talking heads, uh, ideological, ideas based throwdown, you know, where where it's real. But it's 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 not no, no pretense about we don't have an opinion or the host doesn't have an opinion. I mean, the host is just a referee. And, you know, you got you've got, you know, 60 se- and it should be like PTI. You've got 60 seconds. You've got 60 seconds. You've got a minute. I know they've, they've tried things like this on Crossfire and others, but I, I you know, I, I think that this would be uh, effective. And uh, certainly the way they set up debates in the presidential debates is more long. And even that could go off the rail sometimes. But th- this would be I think it would be really interesting for people to see that and and. Uh, I don't know where that exists right now in TV. I don't know where it exists right now. I, I see, because even on shows where, you know, Tucker's show on Fox will have some very robust exchanges, but he's the host. And so he's he's inherently in a, and I, I think he actually tries to be very um, polite and fair to his guests, even the crazy lefties who come on a show that, you know, it's, you know, it's just going to turn into a food fight pretty quickly, but he at least tries to you know, maintain decorum and respect. Uh, but he's the host and you're always at a disadvantage on somebody else's show. So I think it'd be interesting to have a show where it's a real format and the, ho- but the host would have to just be there. And it's so funny because I think so few hosts would want it. You know, people don't want to sign up for this job because they all want the ability to also be playing the game of politics, partisanship, advocacy, even if they don't want to public, even if they don't want to take the heat for that, they want to be able to do it when they want to be able to do it. So anyway, that's maybe one thing I've come to today. Uh, team, I'm going to hit a break here. We'll be back in just a few. Stay with me. Let your voice be heard. Hello. 888-900-3393. On the Blaze Radio Network. The truth. This is Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Our team, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. Uh, I'm going to be live tonight, six to nine Eastern, on Buck Sexton with America Now. So please do tune in for uh, that, um, and you can uh, subscribe to Buck Sexton with America Now on iTunes. Uh, Stitcher will be up on Stitcher as well. I believe we're on Google Play, and I also just want to say uh, this is our last. Freestyle Friday, I know it was a non-traditional one or an unusual one. I, I hope you're enjoying some of the story time, behind-the-scenes stuff with Buck. I wanted to switch things up uh, for our last shows here. Um, I'll be with you at this time, 12 to 2 Eastern, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week. I may be with you Thursday as well. I'll know on Monday or Tuesday. And I just want to say I hope you all have a really fantastic weekend um, the greatest honor of my career thus far is the gathering, the building, the creation um, of Team Buck. And uh, so on Freestyle Friday, I just wanted to 
make sure that I reminded you of all that. I know I'm saying a lot of mushy stuff these last few days of the show, um, but it, it really does matter. It matters to me. Uh, so have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining me for uh, our final Freestyle Friday. Until Monday, or until tonight, Shield Time. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh,